Thank you for listening to our podcast. Church at the Well is a community practicing the way of Jesus and thirsting for the life He gives. Well, we have been in a sermon series where we're focusing and looking at 10 tables that Jesus sits at in Luke's gospel. In the gospel of Luke, we find 10 different meals that Jesus shares with people. And Luke includes these stories in his gospel, these tables, these meals, these these stories of, of dining together. Luke records them in his gospels for a few reasons. One, um, tables are often the setting where Jesus chose to reveal himself. And so Luke makes a point to, to, point to that, that, that each one of these meals plays a significant role in, in showing who Jesus is. And, and we know this, right, that you can learn a lot about somebody by sharing a meal with them. There's, there's something about tables that, that help us do that. Another reason that Luke records these 10 meals, these 10 tables stories, is to highlight the theme of our reliance on Jesus. And, and the way he does that is, is because tables um, have a way of making you and I admit our dependency and our reliance. Right? Whenever we come to a table, you know what we're doing? We're admitting our malnourishment. We're admitting our dependency on food. We need food for, for sustenance, for strength, for, to, to survive, for nourishment, which is probably why when Jesus left and ascended to heaven, he told his disciples, remember me through the table, the Lord's table, the communion table, right? That when we come to the communion table, in essence, what we're doing is we're recognizing our malnourishment. We're recognizing our reliance on Jesus. We're recognizing our dependence on him. And so Luke uses these 10 meals to show us that, to show us who Jesus is, to help us digest Jesus' teachings, to to help us um, really familiarize ourselves with everything that Jesus did through the cross and the resurrection. And he points to these 10 tables. Um, And today we're going to read about a meal that Jesus shares out of Luke's gospel. And this is a unique meal in that it's shared with thousands of people. (laughs) And in your your Bible, most headers in your Bible refer to this this table story as Jesus feeds the 5,000. And we know from the other gospel accounts, because they also record this same event, we know that it was actually more than 5,000 people. It was 5,000 plus some women and children. And all four Gospels do record this meal, they do record this event, and they provide us with with four different perspectives on it. Um, One of the things I appreciate about the Gospels, and for for those of you who are new to the Bible, the Gospels are the first four books in the the New Testament. So the New Testament in your Bible can be found about two-thirds of the way through. We have the Old Testament, which is about two-thirds of the Bible, and the New Testament, which is about the back third of the Bible. And the, the Gospels are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and they tell the story of the life of Jesus. And what I appreciate about the four Gospels is that when we read them together, when we read them side by side, we get four complementary views of Jesus' life, of Jesus' story. And, and I, I'll, I'll explain the benefit of that this way. Later this afternoon, I'm going to watch some football. And in every football game, every one, 
there's always a handful of plays that go under review. And what that means is like, they couldn't really determine, did the player step out of bounds? Did the ball hit the ground? Like, let's go to review and find out. And what the refs will do is they'll go to a monitor screen and they'll play back the play in slow motion. But sometimes, one camera angle is not enough to determine. They can see the play, right? But so they'll, they'll take three or four different cameras from different angles and they'll piece all those videos together to find out, oh, did the player step out of bounds? This view looked like he kind of did. He was running fast, that's for sure, and this guy was almost tackling him, that's for sure. And it looks like he, oh wait, but there's this other angle over here that show that his foot was, was not on the line, that he wasn't bouncing. And, and the Gospels provide that for us. Right? The Gospels are all recording the same event, but they're, they have different vantage points. They're, they're looking at it from a different perspective, and so we get the benefit of having all four of the Gospels. So if you're ever reading your Bible, and you're, you're, you've finished Matthew, and now you're going to Mark and Luke, you say, wait, I've already read these stories. Yes, you have. <laughs> but now they're coming from a different perspective. And so today, we're going to rely on Luke's gospel, but we're also going to use John's camera a bit. And we're going to read Luke chapter 9, verse 10. When the apostles returned, they told Jesus everything they had done. Then he slipped quietly away with them toward the town of Bethsaida. But the crowds found out where he was going, and they followed him. He welcomed them and taught them about the kingdom of God, and he healed those who were sick. And so here at the beginning of this meal story that, that Luke provides us, we find that Jesus and the disciples have been working hard. They've been doing all kinds of ministry. They're in need of some respite. That's what you do when you slip away, right? You're, you're looking for a little bit of downtime. You're looking for a departure from from the busyness, the crowds, the noise. And, and so their intention is to slip away to a remote place outside of Bethsaida. And some translations of your Bible will say they went to a desert place. And what that means is they went to a deserted place, a, a place that is out of the way, that is quiet. But what happens is the crowds find out where Jesus is going, and they follow him there. And even though Jesus and the disciples were hoping to, to slip away and get some downtime. When, when the crowds arrive, Jesus welcomes them. He welcomes them and he teaches them about the kingdom of God, which is the thing that Jesus talked about more than any other topic. He talked more about the kingdom of God than anything else, the good news of God's kingdom coming to earth, setting things right again. And, and he, it says here that he healed their sick. Verse 12 says this. Late in the afternoon, the 12 disciples came to him and said, send the crowds away. Send the crowds away to the nearby villages and farms so they can find food and lodging for the night. There's nothing to eat here in this remote place. You ever go on vacation and it's like, there's no restaurants. <laughs> you have to plan ahead of time. The disciples are saying, Jesus, send them away. There's nothing to eat here. The disciples, you can see here, it's implied that they're clearly, they've had enough. <laughs> Um, they're ready for a break. Okay, Jesus, you have given the good news of the kingdom. Then we came here to kind of slip away, and they followed us, and you've given them the good news of the kingdom, and you're healing their sick. Uh, let's wrap it up and get back to our downtime. And, and then I love the disciples because they're kind of, they remind, 
remind me of me in this case, where they said, besides Jesus, there's nothing for them to eat here. Have you ever, have you ever made up an excuse that's kind of true, but you really just are making it up because you want a certain result? Maybe that's just me in the early, early disciples, but it's like a convenient excuse, right? Oh, besides, I'm thinking of them. I'm, I'm thinking of the people. They're, they're going to be hungry. There's no place for them to eat here. Um, <laughs> disciples did not like that their plans were disrupted by this crowd. They're probably feeling a little disappointed that things didn't materialize the way that they had hoped, right? If you make a plan for something, maybe it's a getaway, maybe it's an event, and you plan for it, and, and it doesn't materialize the way you hope. That's where the disciples are at. But Jesus uses this, and, and he's about to reveal himself in a new way to the disciples, something that they'd never forget. And, and look what Jesus says to them after they try to convince him to send everyone home. Luke chapter 9, verse 13, Jesus said, you feed them. But we have only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Or are you expecting us to go and buy enough food for this whole crowd? For there were about 5,000 men there. The other gospels tell us there were many more women and children. So there's about thousands and thousands of people. Jesus replied, tell them to sit down in groups of about 50 each. Now, what we're going to do here is we're going to switch camera angles. We're going to go from Luke's gospel to John's gospel, who's, who's recording the same event, but he's going to provide us with some information that Luke does not provide us with. It's John chapter 6, verse 7. Jesus soon saw a large, a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. Turning to Philip, who was one of the 12 disciples, he asked, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? He was testing Philip, for he already knew what he was going to do. Philip replied, even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. There's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish, but what good is that with this huge crowd? And so in John's gospel account, his camera shows us a little bit more information. We find out that, yes, it was the disciples who brought the five loaves of bread and the two fish to Jesus, but they originally belonged to a young boy. It was probably this boy's provisions for the day, what he was going to eat for the day. And this boy offers what he has to the disciples. The disciples are looking around, how are we going to feed this group? And, and, and it seems silly, right, because five loaves of bread and two fish seem inconsequential for what the moment requires. But it also highlights the childlike faith that Jesus often talked about. Because here's this boy, and he's like, well, I've got this. And, and, and Peter takes it and says, well, I mean, we got this, Jesus. Well, what's, what's that going to do? And Jesus takes that little bit of food that the boy offered and multiplies it, not only filling this, the bellies of this crowd, but filling their hearts. Because he's also revealing who he is, which we'll see in a moment. He's revealing who he is to this group of people at this table, at this meal. And, and I like to imagine Bible stories sometimes. I like to imagine myself as, as the boy in this story. Like, what must that have felt like? And he's just, he just has lunch, right? And he offers it up, and Jesus feeds this huge crowd with it. He multiplies it and feeds this whole. If I'm that boy, I'm thinking, man, I cannot believe this. Like, God used me to do that? Like, that had to be life-changing. We don't know who this boy is. We never read about him again. But, but I'm certain that it was a really impactful moment in his life. And if you don't think that Jesus uses 
kids to teach us about faith? You haven't done that exercise where you read a story like this and thought about how, how, how Jesus involves children because they teach us about faith. Jesus said, unless you become like a child, you can't enter the kingdom of God. And so if you want to find out what faith looks like, spend some time with some kids. They'll show you how. Volunteer at our kids' church. <laughs> All right, let's go back to Luke's camera. Luke's camera, chapter 9, verse 15. So the people all sat down. Jesus took the five loaves and two fish. He looked up towards heaven and blessed them. Then, breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread and fish to the disciples so they could distribute it to the people. They all ate as much as they wanted, and afterward, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftovers. And so Jesus here miraculously multiplies these five loaves and two fish to feed several thousand people. There's 12 baskets of leftovers. As you can imagine, this event, this meal, this table left quite an impression on the people. The people who were engaging this meal with him and sharing this meal with him, it left an impression. Not only because their needs were met, but because it reminded them, too, of another meal in the history, in their own history, where God miraculously provides bread from heaven for their ancestors. See, in the book of Exodus, we read uh, during the time of Moses that God uses Moses to deliver the Hebrew people, out of Egyptian slavery, and they're wandering in the wilderness, and we're told that God provides them miraculously with bread from heaven in the form of manna each day. And so these people who were experiencing this with Jesus, they would know that story. They would know the history of their ancestors and how God provided bread from heaven for them. And, and it, it would have been known to everyone at this meal. So when Jesus miraculously provides them all with bread from heaven, they're thinking, wow, maybe this guy is more than just an average rabbi. <laughs> maybe he's more than just a really good teacher. In fact, in, in John's gospel, we're told that after, immediately after this meal, Jesus had to slip away again because they wanted to make him their king. Right? If somebody makes bread come from heaven and they're putting the pieces together, whoa, like God did this, whoa, wait. <laughs> what if Jesus is the Messiah? What if he's God in flesh who came and dwelt among us? And so they want to make him king, and so Jesus knows it's not the right time. He slips away again. And in John chapter 6, we find out that the same crowd follows Jesus to the next slip-away place. And so they won't leave him alone. They're like a bunch of Swifties. They find out where Taylor is, and they just go and go and go, and she can't get free. That's what's happening here. Jesus is he, everywhere he goes. People are seeing, like, this, 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 this person has something to offer. And in John chapter 6, the crowd finally pins him down again. Same crowd. And they ask Jesus to make another miraculous production of bread. They like, do that again for us. And they say it this way. Our ancestors ate manna in the wilderness. You're going to keep feeding us, right? And here's what they're implying with their request for Jesus. Jesus, it was pretty cool how you fed thousands of us and from, with bread from heaven, but Moses fed an entire nation. You fed thousands of Jews, that was awesome, but Moses, he, did, he fed an entire nation. And you fed us one meal, which it was good, but it was one meal. He fed us for 40 years. If you're the Messiah, you're more capable than Moses, right? 
That's what they're implying in this request. And Jesus responds this way. He says, first of all, Moses didn't give your ancestors that bread from heaven. God did. And now he's giving you the true bread from heaven. And it gives life, not just to your ancestors, not just to a nation, but to the whole world. And your ancestors, by the way, they ate that manna, but they still died. And the, the bread from heaven that God's giving you now, right, the living bread, anyone who feeds on me's will live forever. And Jesus tells them, I am the bread of life. What's Jesus doing here? What's he getting at? He, he, he's revealing himself through this meal. He's saying to them, showing to them how their hunger, how their reliance, and how the, on their dependence on food was a reflection of what they really needed. True bread from heaven. Which again, it, why at the, at the Last Supper, before Jesus goes to the cross, he takes bread and breaks it. He says to his disciples, take and eat, for this is my body given for you. And he takes the cup. He says, drink it. This is my blood poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. What's he doing? He's showing that what you're really relying on, even though you don't know it, what you're really depending on, where you really need nourishment, it's something bigger that I'm, I'm going to provide for you. And this crowd was, was looking for another miracle of food, but they needed more than that. They needed more than bread. Jesus provides that. He, also, he meets that need. Right? But he's also saying that there's more. They needed to ingest who Jesus was and what, he, what the work of Christ on the cross and the resurrection, what he came to do and ingest Jesus and his teachings and, and everything he was about to provide them uh, to not only fill their stomachs but to fill their hearts right, with who Jesus is. And, and, and what we recognize is that this was more than just a miraculous meal. Jesus was revealing himself, showing himself through this meal. He was wanting to nourish their souls. And so for the next five minutes, the rest of our time together this morning, I thought we could reflect a little bit more on this passage that we just read and, and, and have a time to reflect to where we can respond and, and look for a few applications for our own, op, own lives, like right here, right now. And so I'm going to project four different questions on the screen. We'll have some music playing. Each, each, each slide will be about a minute each. There's, there's four of them. And we're going to reflect on these questions quietly just between us and the Lord and, and allow ourselves to, 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 to take the passage we just read and, and apply it to our own lives. And then I'll come up and close us in a word of prayer. Does that sound okay? All right. Let's pray together. Jesus, we confess that we are needy creatures, that we are reliant that we are dependent. Lord, each time we come to a table, each time we eat food, we admit that reliance. We admit that dependence. Lord, there are so many other things that we need. <laughs> and you're faithful to meet those needs. And in your compassion and, and in your goodness, you provide us with the things that we need. But Lord, you also offer us what we truly need. So Holy Spirit, today would you Help us to shift our focus from the things that maybe we're consumed with. The things that we consume. <laughs> the gifts and the good things that you give us, Lord. That, that would you help us to shift our focus to what our real need is. The forgiveness. 
the reconciliation with God. Your spirit. Newness of life. Resurrection. Lord, would you continue this conversation with us as we leave here today? Lord, I pray for my friends that you would multiply the bread and the fish in their lives. You would supply all their needs. And would you also reveal yourself through that? Would you also reveal to them uh, what you're hoping to give them in nourishment for their souls? Lord, make us more aware. We'll do our best to pay attention to everything your Spirit says and, and shows us. We ask all these things in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and we'll sing one last song together. You're listening to the official podcast of Church at the Well in Burlington, Vermont. For more information about Church at the Well, including gathering time and location, events, and how you can financially support the podcast, please visit us online at www.wellchurchvt.com.